going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Greetings and salutations, my friends. As always, thank you so much for downloading and subscribing to the newly rejigged Calgary Today podcast. On the show today, it's all Olympics all the time as the city's committee in charge of directing the traffic is now recommending to turf the 2026 bid. We also talk rent in our city and a new report showing it can't be one size fits all when it comes to affordable housing from the federal government. The clock has run out and I think it's time um, that, um, that we move on. It's not as if council doesn't have an abundance of other issues to deal with. The economy, our struggling downtown and business community, community safety and vibrancy, transportation and transit, to name a few. Greetings and salutations, my friends. Happy Tuesday. Hope all is well with you and yours. And certainly not all is well if you were plotting on having an Olympic party in 2026. As you've heard throughout the course of the day, the committee in charge of steering this thing in the right direction is going to be recommending to council tomorrow to scrap the whole thing, including that plebiscite. So November 13th, if council decides tomorrow will be a day that you don't have to go to the polls to decide whether or not you want in on the games for 2026. As I said yesterday, it's not something that I think we should be... It's not like I'm celebrating. As someone who was actually against this particular bid, I didn't want to be against the bid. But it was just the way that this was handled from start to finish that just left a sour taste in my mouth. And I got the feeling in talking with Aaron Waite from No Calgary yesterday's, she was of the same mindset almost as if... This was something that didn't have to come to fruition the way that it did. But yet, here we are, middle of the afternoon on a Tuesday, two weeks before we were planning on heading to the polls, saying, you know what, thanks but no thanks, IOC. Now, that doesn't mean that there's a rubber stamp involved with tomorrow either by any stretch of the imagination, because as we've been kind of musing around the newsroom what happens if, say, six councillors decide to go rogue and go, you know what, we, we should still power through with this? Yes, they did vote, I believe it was 14 nothing to move the referral motion back to council. And I think it's happened before where that referral was denied because they do need two-thirds uh, consent tomorrow. So that means 10 of the 15 people around the council table tomorrow need to vote in favor of scrapping the bid. What happens if it's only nine? And as I go through the list, I don't think it's going to happen. Judging by the the comments that were made today. But I've come to learn, and I think a lot of people will agree with me here, is anything seems to be possible with this council. And even during what was kind of, I'm having a hard time kind of describing what it looked like around the room, but it looked tense. 
And maybe because you've been, they've been sitting behind closed doors for three and a half hours where undoubtedly there were probably a few things that were said because there were 14 of 15 council members, I believe, around the table. I have no doubt that a few things were said, which is typically why you go behind closed doors to air any grievances and that kind of thing. But it just kind of looked like not everybody might have been happy. Not just with the the whole scrapping the Olympic idea, but it looked more than that. I'm going to play a little bit later on this hour. I'm going to play a little bit of maybe a bit of a back and forth between who was the chair at the time of all of it going down. Peter DeMong, along with Mayor Nahed Nenshi and outspoken counselor Jeremy Farkas, which I thought sure is a lot of tongue-between-teeth kind of motions being made here. It's really interesting to see, and it's going to be really interesting to see going forward how this council continues to work together on certain issues, especially big-ticket items, because I wonder if lines were drawn in the sand on this one, because I know there were a lot of feathers ruffled. We're going to get to some of the media scrums that... Uh, just happened over the last half hour or hour so you can have a little bit more of the full context behind what some of the councillors are saying, including Evan Woolley, including Nahed Nenshi. We will get to that in just a second. So just in the last hour or so, the committee chairperson for the Olympic bid, Evan Woolley, spoke with reporters and wanted to play the full uh, kind of scrum with the reporters and the questions that were asked surrounding Uh, what he announced today, in case you just missed it, uh, in case you haven't been tuned into the radio for the the last couple of hours here, council uh, will get a recommendation tomorrow to scrap the Olympic bid process. Here is Olympic uh, Committee Chair Evan Woolley when speaking with, with reporters earlier this afternoon. Evan, you've just recommended that the council not move forward with a uh, vote on a plebiscite vote on November the 13th. Um, Doesn't it make more sense to just have the vote and see where the populace stands? Our commitment to Calgarians from the very beginning was uh, to be as transparent as possible, which critical to that was providing all of the financial information to them in order that they could make a thoughtful and informed decision about whether or not to bid. Today, we do not have a funding agreement in place or a fiscal plan for how we're going to fund that uh, before Calgarians. Mail-in ballots are happening today. The advance vote begins on Monday uh, and um, the full vote of the electors is on the 13th. The question becomes, what is the amount of time necessary for Calgarians to have that information in front of them? And I just don't think that we have that here today. Evan, can you tell us what's wrong with the funding situation right now for Calgarians watching this, saying what's wrong with the funding? We do not have a funding agreement in place today. Right now we have $700 million committed from the provincial government with no indemnities or no guarantees on that, on that, on that money. We have uh, a proposal uh, from the federal government that is um, does not move beyond their 50% uh, and is uh, in 2026 dollars which does not uh, add up uh, to um, to 
than money required to host the games. Well, can you tell us now how much money the city was willing to put into this? Um, that that will obviously become uh, uh, available and uh, out, coming out of council tomorrow, but the gap is too large. And so if you do that calculation, there was no willingness from, uh, from myself or council to fill that gap. Was it your your understanding that there was going to be a a non-matching funding agreement from the feds? Was that your understanding? We had had a number of positive conversations that signaled that they would be willing to go beyond their 50%. There are a number of examples that uh, in of, of other sporting events that they have exceeded that policy and obviously I'm disappointed that today we don't have that. Well, what happened? What, Who what broke their promise on bluffing? that? What if the feds say they're Calgary's bluffing? Maybe they'll make yeah. a phone call to you tonight. I, I am not bluffing. We were committed to have this cost share agreement to Calgarians in June and then it was September. And then it was 35 days before the vote of the electors. And then it was 30 days. And then it was which week and which week. At some point, uh, and that point for me as chair of this committee, uh, is today. Are you, con- are you confident that this motion, I mean, what is the message of this particular referral? Are you confident that the majority of council will, will support the motion itself, not just the referral? Listen, I think that this is a difficult conversation for council tomorrow. This is a difficult motion for me to put forward today. We have undertaken an immense, immense amount of work. Um, I have looked at this with the lens of what kind of deal, what is the business case, what, when can we put this in front of Calgarians, and today we do not have that in place. That's obviously deeply disappointing, and it's going to be a, a, a difficult, difficult decision for individual, for council as a whole, and for individual councillors. So, so technically, so technically the work's not dead. Is there any actual fiscal path forward at this point toward the day? Like any, is there any plan B, any way this could work? At, at this time, I don't see any. Why not just go forward with what we do have right now, which is the 700? Go ahead, Megan. Who drafted the recommendations? Uh, I worked with uh, I, I worked with our uh, with our city secretariat asked and asked for those recommendations and we drafted them back and forth uh, yesterday and this is, morning. Is it a, is it a recommendation then from the Olympic secretariat? No, this is a recommendation from me. What's the last ten days been like for this decision? What's the last ten days been like for you? Uh, well, you know, I have a three-month-old at ho- I have a three-month-old at home, and I haven't seen him as much as I as, as I wanted to do. This is obviously uh, extremely disappointing to have to reach this point here today. Um, I have been someone who's looked at this in a very matter-of-fact way over the last seven months that I've taken since I've been the chair of this uh, of this committee. Um, obviously, I'm deeply disappointed. There was an opportunity here for us to potentially do something great. But unfortunately, I cannot ask Calgarians to vote on something when they don't have information in front of them required to make that decision. Who's to blame for this decision? I think that there will obviously be a number uh, of reflections uh, around this decision. I don't think anybody's necessarily to, to blame. So that was for the most part what we heard from Evan Woolley and some very telling uh, disappointment in his voice, but not everybody around the council table, I think, was disappointed in how we got to this point. And I point to this particular exchange between councillors Jeremy Farkas, Peter DeMong, and Mayor Nahed Nenshi. 
Thank you, Mr. Chair. I was wondering, if is there any among us who can give as fulsome an accounting of how we spent the last four hours as possible, just in terms of a public explanation? I'm pretty sure Mayor Nenshi had just done that prior to you speaking. Were you not listening? There, Sorry, I feel like there is more, but I don't know how far I can go. Give it a shot. Anyway, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Sorry. Okay. Anybody else want to throw on their light just at the last minute like everybody else? Yes, Mayor Nenshi. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't like that hanging there. Yep. Um, so, so I'll just say again that I actually think we had one of the best discussions we ever had um, on this topic, very respectfully looking at what is on the table, whether or not that meets the criteria that council had set out earlier, whether or not it meets the negotiating mandate that council had set out earlier, and whether we have enough time to be able to have a good discussion with Calgarians, as Councillor Woolley pointed out, between now and the plebiscite, which is two weeks today. Um, and I think we had a very good and thoughtful discussion on that, partially with the Bidco and partially amongst ourselves. Is that a good fulsome explanation? I would, I would actually concur with you on that and thank you for the more in-depth description. I get the feeling there might not be great Christmas cards in each other's mailboxes in a couple of months. And it certainly raises an interesting question even beyond that is what was said in that three and a half, four hours in camera? Because that's how this council seems to do a lot of its work. But I get the sense that maybe, not even the sense, I'm, a, I'm hopeful. I'm a glass half full kind of guy. Maybe this decision might actually be a good thing in terms of being an eye-opener for this council to finally step beyond the curtains of their in-camera sessions and start actually trusting Calgarians to dissect the information for themselves. Here's hoping anyways. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Lots of talk and discussion about what exactly is happening uh, at the council level and it's going to be interesting to see what we end up getting out of tomorrow's discussion because as some people have rightly pointed out on the text line if you want to weigh in on what council or what the committee has decided 403-974-8255 we will uh, go through some of those texts a little later on in the show but as some have rightly pointed out is it might be a learning opportunity for the city might be one of those situations where city council might actually need to learn to be a little more trusting of one another and to be a little more trusting of Calgarians. And I thought there was a, there was a point in the conversation around the council table today and Ward Sutherland was the one who brought this up. And I wanted to play this clip where he rightly points out that there's a bigger picture in mind here. Sports, they teach you character. They teach you how to play by the rules. They teach you, you know, how it feels to win and unfortunately how it feels to lose. It teaches a lot about life. Um, the motion today um, takes many things in consideration. And I think uh, tomorrow, uh, 
council has a major decision to make to vote on this because it's a reconsideration which means 10 members so we need everybody to understand it is a reconsideration but uh we have a lot to think about tonight speaking of tonight there is an event happening despite what committee has decided on with a lot of different speakers from the University of Calgary. One of those speakers is former Olympian and Dean of the Faculty of Kinesiology at the U of C. Uh, she is Pe- Dr. Penny Werthner. Uh, Dr. Werthner, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, you're welcome. When looking at what council and what committee has decided on today, just a, a, a broad comment here on, on just your thoughts as, as council has gone through this process. Well, there's so much I don't know, it's difficult to comment, but it does seem like there's been some miscommunication between the federal government, provincial government, and city of, uh, city of Calgary. So it's, I hope that, I would hope that we could clarify that so that, you know, everyone voting on November 13th or November 6th and 7th would be able to make a really informed decision. And I think that is what the community of Calgary is asking for. So I still think there's, questions out there um and it would be good if we had answers for those but i do hope we have that opportunity for everyone to vote mm-hmm. we uh one of the things i mean you're you're a benefactor of an olympic games you've you've taken part and you've taken part in many different uh different events i'm curious from your standpoint now as as an educator is what is the long-term cost of not hosting a games from the standpoint of Calgary being a home of winter sports or sports psychology, that kind of thing? Well, in terms of sports in more general, I mean, we, I, I think, you know, most Calgarians know pretty clearly the legacy that was left after 1988. And I think we had, you know, a group of visionaries with Frank King and Bill Warren and Roger Jackson and many others who you know, we're able to create not only a great Olympic Games in 1988, but also a very significant significant legacy left over from, um, in both in terms of infrastructure and in terms of community. And, you know, there's no reason we couldn't do that again with the Games where, you know, we would host an Olympic Games, but we would also ensure that we're creating a new legacy because certainly the facilities that are left from 88 are getting old, um, and, you know, refurbishing them, building new ones would, would, uh, really help the city. Um, and, and also engage our community again. And, you know, in talking to our students at University of Calgary, I was pretty interested to see that many of them, and I didn't take a poll or anything, so I don't know what that number is exactly, mm-hmm. but I was pleasantly surprised that many of them were saying, yeah, let's have an Olympic game. So I was just sort of urging them to get out to vote because we do have voting stations November 6th and 7th here at the university, which is terrific from a student standpoint. So, um, but there, you know, it's a huge legacy that was left over and there's no reason we couldn't do that again with another Olympic Games if we had that opportunity. When you look at some of the, like even the conversation that you guys plan on having tonight, I mean, it's a wide range of people involved. And when you look at it from a wide, uh, a bigger umbrella, I guess, maybe talk about some of the, the social costs that come along with the games and with the benefits as well. Well, I, I mean, I think one of the things I'm going to say tonight is, you know, we can change the game. And there's been other people, you know, probably better than I speaking about how we don't have to do it the same way. And I think we, you know, 
Calgarians have always been bold and innovative, and I don't know why we wouldn't continue to do that. So um, from, you know, we need to think about what we can build out that would benefit the city of Calgary and, and ideally the province of Alberta as well as the rest of Canada, but certainly within this province and within this city. And there's no reason we can't do that. I think the IOC needs us more than we need them. So we change what the game is um, and talk about how we build structures that, yes, in the immediate will service the Olympics, but will be left over um, to to help our population. And I would always argue as the dean of the Faculty of Kinesiology, left over to enable our citizens, our students and faculty and staff for sure, but our citizens to be more fit. So, you know... One of my arguments will also be, you know, let's make Calgary the fittest city in North America by 2026. If I mean, we can change that tagline. We could do this without the games, but it's certainly a nice catalyst to do it with the games. Is and, that... Oh, go ahead. Well, and we know from various research, but certainly from the Conference Board of Canada that's done numerous studies on if we got 10% of our population more active, we would cut health care costs by... I mean, it depends on what year you're talking about, but by billions of dollars. So, you know, there's ways that the Olympics can be an impetus to do this if we choose to do that. And I don't know why we wouldn't choose to do that. So it doesn't just have to be about an Olympic Games because that is for a small group. And of course, you know, I was lucky to be one of those small groups that went to a Games and then work with athletes now that go to Games. And I think it's a great piece, but that's not why we should hold the Games. We should hold the Games... Um, because of what it could provide for us on a much longer term for the citizens of Calgary. And I do believe that is possible. We certainly need to understand the finances much more clear, and I think anyone asking for that is has a legitimate um, reason to ask for that. So there's still some clarity that needs to be um, provided, that's for sure. It's a very wide-ranging topic that a lot of people are going to be interested, I'm sure, in taking in, despite whatever council does decide over the next 24 hours or so. Uh, that event taking place at the Glenbow Museum tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, she is Dr. Penny Werthner, a former Olympian and Dean of the Faculty of Kinesiology at the University of Calgary. Dr. Werthner, thanks so much for the time today. You're very welcome. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Just getting into our newsroom from the Calgary 2026 Bid Corporation Board Chair, Scott Hutchison. He's issued a statement saying, Today we were part of a productive and constructive discussion at City Hall. Tomorrow's vote council will be of extreme interest to all Calgarians. Negotiations with government are positive, are continuing. They have not stopped and we remain confident an agreement will be reached. We know thousands of Calgarians understand what's at stake and the importance of deciding the outcome themselves. These would be Canada's games, Calgary's choice. So heading into... Tomorrow is, is it really dead? I don't know. Robert Livingstone's been writing all about all kinds of games at gamesbids.com, specializing in the Olympic bid process, and he joins us again. Uh, Mr. Livingstone, as always, a pleasure to have you on. Good afternoon. As you watch today's uh, details and developments, what do you take away from all of this? Um, you know, I haven't seen anything like it. Um, I've been covering this for so many years, so many different bids, and this one just keeps going back and forth. Um, you know, there is, uh, it, there's just been a disconnect here. 
Um, the IRC has been pushing their Agenda 2020 reforms and looking for a, you know, a low-cost bid and with no build. That's really not what Calgary wants, it seems. And that conflict has caused this budget problem. Um, it, it, there's just so much confusion, and you know that confusion is right here at the end. When we think it's done, it seems like it's not. And that's what this bid's been about. <laughs> it, it's so interesting, and even reading what you've written over the last number of months here, as we've kind of come to this point, thinking, okay, we're getting ready for a plebiscite, and all, now all of a sudden... We might not, but we may still. I mean, it, it it really depends. When you look at some of the other bids, and there's only two kind of still in the running here at this particular point, being Stockholm and in Italy. Is the same being said? Are, are there are are is it that contentious in those two areas? Well, certainly in Italy, it is. It's very confusing in Italy. Um, they have. They had too many cities in Italy that wanted to participate. Yeah. Um, originally Turin, Cortino d'Ampizzo, and, and Milan. Uh, you know, they couldn't get along. Turin dropped out. There were two left. And they're just trying to scramble at this point. They're so far behind. They're not anywhere as well organized, if you can use that term, for as Calgary. Um, believe it or not, I mean, Calgary is well organized, as confusing as it seems. <laughs> um, and, and Stockholm is pretty stable only because the government's not involved. They're not interested, which is obviously a big problem. The Swedish Olympic Committee is behind the bid, but they can't get any interest from the government. And, for that, uh, and if they're, they aren't able to sell it at that level, that bid's going to be over too. It's interesting in the sense, and, and I'll use it, organized chaos is sort of what I think you've been alluding to here is, hey, Calgary's organized. We just, uh, the, there's a lot of chaos involved. I'm wondering from the standpoint, I know a lot of people have been commenting about how this is put, painting Calgary in a negative light around the world. Do you get the sense that the world is watching Calgary or is it still too early to be even thinking about um, being on the world stage at this point of the bid process? Right. So let's be realistic. Uh, out, you know, in the mainstream and the rest of the world, it's gone unnoticed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, in Calgary, certainly, and in Canada, somewhat, but outside, um, nobody's interested except for people in, like myself <laughs> that study that Olympic bid world. So I don't think there's any negative uh, impact on Calgary. The other thing is a lot of the blame people will put on the IOC because they believe that the IOC's past history of cost overruns, of corruption, and that kind of thing, that perception um, puts casts all doubt on the IOC. Yeah, it's interesting that way, is that there's certainly, at least here, there's been a lot of finger-pointing uh, finger at different levels of government and, and that kind of thing. You said off the top that this is something you've never seen before, so what kind of, maybe give us the, an idea as to maybe one of the more contentious ones that you've dealt with that, or maybe one of the, the more polarizing ones that you've seen in your studies? Uh, well, <laughs> there's been a, a couple out of Italy, I mean, the, the recent, uh, the 2026 winter bid, but they've bid twice for 2020 and 2024, Roma's bid for the summer games. Mm-hmm. Um, both those failed because they lost either federal support or they lost uh, municipal support. Uh, for 2024, they were clear sailing, and then a new, um, more, I guess, populist mayor was elected, and she immediately squashed that bid. Um, there is a, and that was um, the way that happened. It was not unlike what's happening in Calgary. It was confusing mm-hmm. back and forth, and 
nobody knew it was over until it was over. Well, that's uh, maybe the feeling a lot of people are going to get heading into tomorrow's council vote. Robert Livingstone is a sports journalist, award-nominated producer. He writes for GamesBids.com, specializing in the Olympic bid process. Uh, Robert, thank you again, as always, for the time today. Sure, my pleasure. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. We will dive a little bit more into this next. I like this text from Peter. We might not, but we may still. Is that not literally the most political non-answer you've ever heard? Yeah, that that ranks right up there, to be brutally honest. And I guess we'll get some final closure, maybe, tomorrow in Council Chambers. And joining us from Council Chambers is our City Hall reporter, Aurelio Perry. Aurelio, thanks so much for the time. Hey there, Joe. Was it just me or watching council talk to one another for, or I should say committee, uh, although most of council was there, the body language kind of spoke to me a little bit. Was it as tense in the room as what it seemed to be while we were watching it online? Uh, I think some, I think some were members of council wanted to vote on these recommendations today. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to do it today. Others uh, just wanted to refer to the entire city council, and they are meet, They had a strategic sort of session tomorrow, uh, basically on how to work better together, mm-hmm. ironically. <laughs> that's uh, about as ironic as you can possibly get, so isn't that's, it? That's tomorrow. So they put this off to tomorrow morning, uh, first thing. I mean, they spent four hours behind closed doors, and apparently they were looking at maybe... Uh, what are some of the things they could do to uh, close the gap when it comes to this public money that's required for this draft hosting plan? Right. Uh, the plan, you know, is for $3 billion in public money. Uh, the provincial government came in with their $700 million. Uh, the feds are going to follow the, fe- the federal government policy of the 50%, which means $1.5 billion. Mm-hmm. But other levels of government have to match the rest of it. So, you know, that would leave the city with $800 million, and that is a no-go. I think that's a no-go for most of city council. Even the most ardent Olympic supporter uh, would never vote for an $800 million investment. Um, the trouble is now you're going to, if they follow through, they're going to kill the plebiscite tomorrow, mm-hmm. and that won't give Calgarians a say at all after, you know, the promise of, hey, we have to give Calgarians a say and hear what they think. But supposedly, you know, since there's no financial agreement in place, how are Calgarians expected to vote in two weeks when they don't know the exact numbers? From an optics standpoint, Aurelio, do you get the sense at all tomorrow that it'll be uh, kind of a lightning rod of activity in council chambers, or do you think it's going to be fairly muted? I'm not sure, like, if... Um, you know, some of the phrases that were used in the scrum, do you think uh, somebody could pull a rabbit out of the hat overnight? Mm-hmm. That, you know, maybe somebody comes up with some better numbers for tomorrow, and then there's a rethink of the motion. Now, the other thing is, is because this is a, a change in council policy, uh, a simple majority vote isn't, uh, it needs more than a simple majority. So 10 mm-hmm. Ten out of the fifteen will have to vote to uh, reopen the uh, process. So it's going to take ten votes to uh, kill the Olympics, as opposed to eight. 
I couldn't help but notice Jeremy Farkas also uh, kind of, I don't want to say he got his wrist slapped at all, but he tried to get poke the bear a little bit as well, talking about uh, how can we not say more about what was said behind council chambers. And I wonder tomorrow if maybe more of the veil will be lifted over some of, the, of what was said. Yeah, I'm thinking once, you know, once council votes on it, then... Uh then that information, most of it, should become public. We still don't know, other than some of the media leaks to the Herald, uh, we still don't know what the city's contribution is to this Olympic bid, right? We mm-hmm. know the province at 700, the feds 1.5. Well, what's, what, were the, what was the city offering? Like, the city's trying to get the feds to move off of the 50% and mm-hmm. contribute more. Even though, you know, when you look at the numbers, if the feds are doing, there was, there was always talk earlier on about a formula of 50, uh, 50, 35, and 15, which yeah. would mean the province would have to chip in one, and the province fell well short of that, coming in at 700, even though Bidco in some other stories said, oh, we knew about that back in June. Well, that information wasn't shared with people, and that's some of the frustration you're getting from the people supporting the no side is they're stirring it up, saying, look at some of this information that's been out there, and it's not being shared with the public. So there is that a lot of this conspiracy theory stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Global Zerulio Perry at City Hall. Thank you so much for the time, sir. You're welcome. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. What are we paying for rent here in Calgary? Are we paying too much? Have we improved over the last little while? And maybe more importantly, out of a new report out of the School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary, are the feds doing the right thing by thinking affordable housing is actually a problem across this country? Scientific Director of Social and Economic Policy at the School of Public Policy is Dr. Ron Nebone. Dr. Nebone, welcome. Uh, You're welcome. This report on affordable housing and getting people into uh, the rental market is an interesting one because it kind of gives you a a bit of insight into uh, how each market is. From your standpoint, as you read through the numbers, what sticks out to you the most? Uh, What sticks out the most is a very dramatic difference between the west part of the country and the east. So from Ontario west, the cost of rental accommodations is much higher than it is in Quebec and the Atlantic provinces. What does that signal? Well, it tells me one thing that's really important is that the federal government, when it talks about its affordable housing strategy, it really needs to pay attention to the fact that what it needs to do in Ontario and Western Canada is much different than what it needs to do in Quebec and the Atlantic provinces. In particular, I would suggest there's not very much of an affordable housing problem east of Ontario. Interesting in terms of the the problems that we have, and obviously they've been well documented here in Calgary. Is there anything? What what does it or what does your report say about the situation here in Calgary in particular? Well, Calgary's improved a little bit. Um, it's still not good, and and the number I focus on is the cost of housing at the low end of the market. So these are rental units that. Uh, rent at a relatively low price in this market. They're probably not as good at quality and maybe not as good a neighborhood as other apartment units. These are the units that people with limited incomes tend to rent. 
And what we see in Calgary, Calgary two years ago was the most expensive rental market in all of Canada for people with a limited income. We've now improved uh, in the sense that we've moved down the rankings. So now we're only the fourth most expensive out of the 20 cities we looked at. The most expensive cities for a person with limited income is now Toronto, followed by Vancouver, Victoria and then Calgary. We're number four. Is there something to be said about just giving municipalities the power to deal with their own problems in terms of give the federal government giving them those freedoms, or is it up to the provinces? Like, how does that fit into the equation? Well, actually, all levels of government have a role to play here. They've um, because the affordable housing problem in Calgary is. Exists because of different reasons that exist in Calgary, or in Vancouver, or Toronto, or Halifax. So a lot of the problems we face in Calgary are very local in nature, and what that tells me is that every level of government has a role to play in trying to address the problem. And it's not good enough to try to think that blanket solutions are the way to go. Well, if, if we leave it up to the federal government alone, then they will do a blanket solution. And they will, as you can maybe guess, they're going to spread the money wide and thin across the country, including putting money into Quebec and the Atlantic provinces where housing is actually relatively cheap. And that means they won't put enough money in Ontario and Western Canada where the need is really great. Is there a concern as well that lumping... Uh, even Ontario with the rest of the West or lumping, say, everything from Manitoba West and then Manitoba East and lumping any group together is is a bit of a dangerous uh, hill to turn as well? Yeah, you want to be careful because, again, uh, if we broke these numbers down and looked in, in just inside Alberta, the cost of housing in Calgary is a lot different than it is in Medicine Hat or uh, wherever you, Grand Prairie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even if the province wants to do something about the cost of housing, they can't themselves have a blanket policy. They need to apply these policies, jurisdiction, city by city by city. And again, that really speaks to the city government stepping up and playing a role as well. What is the the end goal, I guess, in releasing the numbers? What do you hope the federal government gleans from this? I want them to recognize that they shouldn't be thinking of a cookie-cutter solution for every housing market in Canada. There is no Canadian housing market. There are very localized housing markets. And, And when they think about the affordable housing problem, I want them to understand that the problem doesn't exist everywhere. It certainly does not exist in Quebec. It does not exist in most of the Atlantic provinces either. Some interesting findings from Ron Kneebone at the School of Public Policy here in Calgary. Thank you so much for the time today, Ron. You're welcome. Thank you so much for downloading today's podcast. Do me a huge favor and leave a rating and a comment. And you can always hit me up on Twitter as well. Just follow me at Calgary Today. Calgary Today.